We live in pretty strange and uncertain times, do we not? We could uh, just focus on this uh, global virus and the response to it and the politics involved, but we can also think about um, the riots going on in various cities for days and days and days, arson, the seemingly the push towards Marxism in uh, some of our universities and young people. Uh, some have called it a perfect storm, but it is, we are becoming a much more secular society, thinking about the fact that recently homosexuality, gay marriage, transgenderism uh, have all been deemed legal and even taught in schools. Um, there is a very strong anti-God sentiment. Uh, of course, um, the, it is a satanic world system and has been uh, from the beginning, from uh, when uh, Adam and Eve fell. Uh, there's been a, the world system, unlike the Christian system, is uh, controlled by Satan. But it, it is unusual. I, I, uh, I make a lot of phone calls up at Grace to You where I work, and I talk to a uh, World War II veteran in his 90s who was really uh, quite emotional, feeling that some of his buddies died in vain uh, protecting our country and freedom when it seems like there's a big push towards uh, a more of a Marxist kind of a nation. So it, it, it can be discouraging for folks, uh, even believers. Um, and you may ask, well, how did this all happen? Where did it begin? How did it start? Um, you know, there's a lot of markers along the way. In my own life, I could say I saw things uh, as a young person in the 1960s really take a turn in this country, the so-called sexual revolution. Um, and I was recently listening to uh, Christianity and Liberalism by um, Professor Machem uh, from Westminster uh, Theological Seminary, written in 1920, and he was lamenting the fact that for the last 75 years, for those challenged with math, that's 1850, um, there has been a huge... Um, influence of liberalism in the churches. And in fact, in Europe, the churches have never recovered from that liberalism, denying Christ. Um, so you could point at many different uh, points along the way of why we're here uh, at this time. Of course, we understand as believers that all of this is within God's sovereign uh, control and plan, and uh, he has his reasons uh, for removing uh, his blessing um, that has been on this nation for some time, basically because it was founded on biblical type of principles, which we're clearly getting away from. I read an interesting article that said part of the um, energy from uh, the younger generation now is because we have become so unchurched that this has become their religion. Global warming, social justice, income inequality, gender fluidity, these type of social issues uh, are what they worship. 
And that's why they're fighting as hard as they are to really uh, change the culture and rid it of Christianity, essentially. So, uh, of course, there have been other times when, um, when there have been major events like World War II and Hitler, etc., where there has been a huge uh, uh, satanic influence in the world. And if the Lord tarries, this may not be the last one, but we have to ask ourselves, so what is our response to all of this? What is our response? I've titled the sermon... There's a battle raging. Are you ready? And my text for this morning is Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And I'm going to read that for you. And then we're going to uh, take a look at this passage a little closer. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand, stand firm. Therefore, having girded your loins with the truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, in addition to taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view... Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for the saints. Let's pray. Father, we ask this morning as we uh, approach your word that you would give me the ability to communicate this uh, passage, that you would use the Holy Spirit to uh, help me communicate and to help those in the uh, audience here to hear your word, how you would have us to respond and how we should um, conform our lives to be more like Christ. pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Scripture repeatedly calls the Christian life warfare. Paul said at the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4, 7, that he fought the good fight. Paul also instructs Timothy to be a soldier who endures hardship, Our pastor says that the best way to define the Christian life is warfare. So Christians are in a continual struggle to uphold the truth of Scripture. Christians want to be ready for the battle. We don't want to be caught off guard. Uh, We we don't want to be caught by surprise because it could have devastating results. So in this passage... Paul is giving his final exhortation. And just as a point of reference, uh, in this passage, he's going to focus primarily on the attacks that come to the believer from outside, from the world, from satanic attack. He has previously, in chapter 4, warned 
believers and instructed believers how to battle the um, evil that comes from our hearts. Our hearts are generally, uh, I mean, um, essentially an idol factory, and we are constantly battling against the flesh to live in the spirit. But in this passage, just uh, as a point of reference, uh, we're dealing with outside influence. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. So the first step of successful waging a spiritual warfare is to recognize our own weakness in our flesh and the Lord's great strength available to us as believers. To try and fight the battle on our own would be a losing battle. He continues, he says, Be strengthened in the might that is inherent in Christ. We need to be continually strengthened and empowered by Christ and not try to do it on our own. By Christ's continual, constant, ongoing, all-sufficient power and strength, Christ is always there for us to draw strength from the Holy Spirit. Verse 11, he says, put on the full armor of God. So the first thing that we have to understand about the believer's armor, and this is an important part, is that we have to have the full armor of God. That means that no piece can be left out. You cannot leave anything off. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, God alone knows our enemy, and he knows exactly the provision that is essential to you if you are to continue standing. Every single part and portion of the armor is essential. And the first thing you have to learn is that you are not in a position to pick and choose. So, so that you will be able to stand firm. You're putting on the armor in order to stand firm. Now, this is, um, cannot, can be used and most often used as a military term for the soldiers to hold a particular part of ground, stand Firm. It's a very important term in this passage. It's used three times, verse 11, verse 13, and verse 14. Stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. Something that Paul wants to drill into us. We put the armor on in order to stand firm against the attacks that are coming at us. Against the schemes of the devil. The devil prowls around like a lion ready to devour by trapping believers in sin and rendering them helpless and useless in the battle. Believers must never underestimate the devil because he can be devastating. Satan's schemes are cunning, deceitful, treacherous, and are with evil intent. The devil is a crafty foe, actively scheming against believers. He is looking to take advantage of any weak spots in the believer's armor, and he's had thousands of years to refine his techniques. Verse 12, For our strength and our or wrestling is not against flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood which is important to remember because the people, the individuals that are out there following after these uh, 
uh, secular, unbiblical philosophies are not particularly our enemy. They're our mission field. But the enemy is Satan himself and his demonic forces. Not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And these designations are, they describe various categories of the demonic forces within the world. Here are some hints from Scripture itself of uh, how Satan and his demons have um, influenced Christians in the past. Jude 9 says that Satan and Michael the archangel fought over the Moses, the body of Moses. Revelation 12, 7 through 10, Satan has been in heaven accusing the saints and is thrown down during the tribulation. The book of Job shows that God gave Satan permission to attack Job. So Satan has to have God's uh, permission. Jesus tells Peter, get behind me, Satan, when Peter didn't want Jesus to go to the cross. He's not saying that Peter was Satan, of course, but his, what he was suggesting was against God's plan, against what Christ came to do. Scripture clearly speaks of an unspeen spiritual global conspiracy involved with demons of high places, and many people and earthly organizations are unwitting participants. 1 Peter 3.22 says that these powers became subject to Christ at the cross. So all this worldly power that is going on is always under God's control. It's now when Christ came and died on the cross, these powers have become subjected to him, meaning since we have the power of Christ through the Holy Spirit, these powers, we can be, or they can be subjected to us as well if we're walking in the Spirit and using uh, those means. Verse 13, he says, therefore, having taken up the full armor of God, now, have you ever thought about where did Paul come up with this armor of God? Now, we understand that he is in, uh, not prison, but he's, but he's being held captive, uh, essentially chained to a Roman soldier, so he's staring at the Roman soldier. He understands their equipment. He understands uh, the armor there. But it would appear that he's going back into Isaiah. Isaiah 11.5 says, Also, righteousness will be the belt about his loins, speaking of Christ, and faithfulness, the belt about his waist. Isaiah 52, 7 says, How lovely are on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace, and brings good news and happiness, who announces salvation. In Isaiah 59, 17, he put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. So Paul, what Paul's doing here is he's pulling from Isaiah the, where it describes Christ's uh, armor, and he's looking at the Roman soldier, 
And he's putting uh, principles, biblical principles, to the, this illustration to make it easier for us to understand, to have a context. He says, therefore, taking up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. When was the evil day? Since Adam and Eve fell, and until Christ returns, we're in the evil day. We've all been in the evil day, and so we are to resist against the forces that are in play on the earth. Here's another stand form, verse 14, stand firm, therefore, literally having done everything to stand firm, having put on the armor of God in preparation for battle, now hold your ground, essentially. Hold your ground, because the, the enemy is coming. The battle is about to begin. So having girded your loins with the belt of truth, we'll begin with the belt of truth. Remember Paul again being uh, under house arrest, chained to a Roman soldier. Uh, the soldier's belt was the first thing that he put on. It was to tighten the loose ends of his tunic so that they didn't get caught up while in battle. Uh, and it was also a place to attach other portions of his armor, like the sword and the breastplate. So it was the first thing to go on, the first piece of armor. Paul has in mind here someone committed to the truth, ready for battle. All false doctrine, lies, half-truths, having been fully rejected. And in the name of Christianity today, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of, as uh, our pastor has said during this pandemic, there are probably some churches that close that it's a good thing. It's a good thing they're not teaching what they were. Many Christians lose the battle because they are apathetic, uncommitted to the truth, have an attitude of, uh, they don't have an attitude of commitment to the truth, which is the foundation of victory, have an attitude of holding on to scriptural truth. He next says, Then having put on the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. Again, the Roman soldier, this covered the vital organs, um, much like a um, uh, bulletproof vest today for our soldiers. It's the same type of thing. It protected the heart and the bowels, if you will, symbolically representing, in a spiritual sense, the mind and the emotions. This is where they felt the, the emotions rested here, because when you're emotionally upset, where do you feel it? You know, you feel it in your bowel area. So Satan feeds your mind, or attempts to anyway, and your emotions with worldliness, Lies, perversion of the truth, immorality, false doctrine, untruths, half-truths, apathy. He wants to entertain you with the sin through electronic uh, media, the computer, 
uh, any any type, you, I mean, you name it, any type of entertainment that is uh, worldly, ungodly, he wants to use that as an attempt to sear your conscience so that it will no longer warn you when you are uh, dangerously uh, being influenced by sin. When your conscience no longer warns you, then you are in danger. You have no protection. Satan wants to confuse your emotions by corrupting you, your desires, and drawing your affections to the sinful, uh, to the sinful desires that he wants you to um, focus on. So God provides the breastplate of righteousness to protect your mind and your emotions. Righteousness comes from living a disciplined Christian life. By having a sanctified relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, after being saved by Christ's sacrifice, all three persons of the Trinity are involved in our salvation and sanctification, each doing their part. A life lived in obedience to the Scriptures and having a proper fear of the Lord. You know, in much of Christianity, uh, Jesus is just their best friend. He's not their Lord. He's not someone that they revere, someone that they want to follow. So this, this requires some effort on our part. Without the breastplate of holiness, you will become vulnerable to satanic attacks. Verse 15, then, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Looking at the Roman soldier, um, he would have shoes that would have to last for long marches. They would uh, often march 20 miles in a day, and also giving him a firm foothold in combat, in hand-to-hand combat, in order to stand Firm. So the shoes were a very important part of his armor. Paul pictures a Roman soldier able to stand firm and hold his ground. The Christian shoes are the gospel of peace, meaning because we have made peace with God, we have the Holy Spirit's power. So when you became a believer, repented of your sin, you became a believer, the Holy Spirit gave you a new heart, gave you then the power through the Spirit to live the Christian life and to be at peace with God. You know, uh, God is, uh, the, he, is at en- he is at war, He is an enemy of unbelievers because they are against Him. We have the firm footing, the promises of God, that we can stand with confidence. Whatever Satan throws at us, we have no reason to fear. No reason to fear. 
Paul had no reason to fear because the worst they could do to him was take his life, and to him to die was gain. And that has to be the attitude of believers when they're in areas of persecution, physical persecution, any type of persecution. In addition to that, addition to take all, take up the shield of faith. Now, this is, uh, he's indicating a full body shield here. Obviously, they had different size shields, uh, some smaller. This was a full body shield he's talking about. The shield would protect the soldier from flaming missiles. Proverbs 30, 5 and 6 says, Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So as long as you have faith in God's sovereign control over your circumstances and over all the circumstances going on in the world, then I would say your shield is up. You're protected. When you believe the lie that something is beyond God's control, then your shield is down. You've got to keep your shield up with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And again, he's thinking about battle in his era. Uh, The battles, Roman times, archers would put cotton material on the tips of their arrows, often soak them in pitch, which burned slow but very hot. And when they shot their arrow into the enemy's territory, uh, it would either light the ground on fire or if it hit one of the... uh, enemy, it would light their clothing on fire. It was, uh, it was a flaming arrow. Satan's flaming arrows, uh, in, in a spiritual sense, not a physical sense there, impurity, selfishness, doubt, fear, disappointment, lust, greed, vanity, covetousness, and anything else that could get between you and the Lord. All those temptations are all a part of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life listed in 1 John 2.16, which really all temptations that we face can be narrowed down to those three. Satan literally bombards the believer with fiery missiles of seduction and temptation to do evil, to render the believer useless for God. I don't need to explain to you that virtually everything in the world is against Christ, and it's, it's all set to be a temptation. Lust is uh, rampant in our society. And the internet, uh, the uh, proliferation of pornography is probably the most devastating thing on uh, young people's lives uh, that they face. Verse 17, and take up the helmet of salvation. Now, a Roman soldier would never go into battle without a helmet. The helmet protected his head from arrows and the enemy's broadsword. Two swords are mentioned in this passage. This is a broadsword. This is a very long, big, three, four feet long sword that the enemy would uh, swing around at the, um, the, the shield of faith, the, the big shield, even go over the shield and hit 
the enemy on the head, so the helmet protected them from this. And again, the, the uh, helmet protected the head from the arrows and the enemy's broadsword. The three or four feet long sword could deliver a death blow to the head and needed to be protected. Satan's broadsword could be discourage or doubt. How many have ever fallen into discouragement when you look at the things going around you, or maybe your situation in life, or something that is just overwhelming to you at the time, you can become discouraged, you can doubt. Discourage, discouraged with your own walk with the Lord, perhaps. Concerned about the future, what is going to happen in our country, in the world. Doubting God is on the throne and in control. More attacked or attached, more attached to this world than to eternity. To be in heaven and to be free from sin, one of the most uh, looked forward things in our life should be to be away from sin, to be with the Lord. Obviously, we want, you know, um, we want to be with our family and our friends, and, and uh, uh, we're not looking forward necessarily to the method that we die, but uh, we should be looking forward to going to be with our Lord, to be in heaven. To be, we're, we're sojourning through this world that is not our own. The sooner we realize this is not our world and that our world is awaiting us, the more we'll be able to focus on uh, God's control over all things and recognizing what, is, uh, what needs to take place here on earth for the, Christ, for the Lord's return. So, to fight against discouragement and doubt, you know, how much time do you spend watching the news, the political propaganda? It's hard to stay away from it. How much time do you spend on the computer or entertainment or any other kind of distractions compared with how much time do you spend in the Lord's Word or in prayer? There are countless ways to become discouraged in life by putting on the helmet of eternal salvation and remembering the great day of victory coming, which is described in 1 John 3.2, we will be like Christ one day. The Gospel of John 14.3 says we will be with Christ forever. Revelation 21.4 says we are bound for heaven where God shall wipe away every tear. These are the things we should be looking for, forward to. Don't let the enemy discourage you and take away the hope that helps to per persevere in times of perilous trouble. Reading, the, um, reading about folks who have been in uh, severe, severe persecution, their, their focus is always on uh, going to be with the Lord, not on the earthly things. That's the only way to survive um, without being discouraged and discontent. And don't let the enemy cause you to doubt God. Again, Satan wants you to doubt God, doubt his word, doubt his power, doubt his, your salvation. 
and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So all the previous pieces of armor have been defensive, defending uh, you from the attacks. Now we come to one piece of armor that is both defensive and offensive, and that's the sword. It is not the broad sword, uh, but it is, in this case, it is a small dagger, 6 to 18 inches long. The sword was used for hand-to-hand combat, close-up combat. How did Jesus respond when tempted by Satan in the wilderness? He quoted scripture, quoted it accurately, of course, while Satan twisted it. So scripture memory or familiarizing yourself with scripture is a vital part of the war. This is the, the sword of the spirit to help you, you know, kill, so to speak, the temptations that are coming at you from Satan in the same way that our Lord did when he was being tempted. Now, some people, I live with one, who can memorize vast portions of Scripture. Some of it's a little harder to do, but memory is very important. If you find yourself tempted and you're the Holy Spirit is going to your memory banks to look for a verse or series of verses to encourage you and help you, and all he finds is Genesis 1-1 and John 3-16. He's severely limited. So we really have to have a grasp on Scripture and on memory in order to fight this battle, in order to have our offensive weapon in place. And finally, verse 18, with all prayer and petition... At all times in the Spirit, with this in view, be on alert, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. The command to stand firm can only be accomplished with constant and earnest prayer. Because we have to realize where our power is coming from. Obviously, an entire message could be given to this verse. I'm not taking the time this morning, but... Spurgeon said, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the hand of the omnipotent God. Prayer is essential. It is an essential part of the Christian life. We must be prepared. Um, whatever is going on, it is, it is quite evident that uh, the, the world our country in particular, is becoming more and more secular, more and more anti-God. It is going to be uh, pretty soon. Um, most likely they're not going to come after you because you're a Christian. They're going to come after you because you're a bigot or a homophobe or whatever, right? And they're going to persecute you. Maybe it's going to be hard to get a job in the future if you hold Christian views. Already, Apparently, you can't be a Supreme Court justice if you hold Christian views, or at least if you let them known be known. Um, so the battle is raging. It's coming. But Scripture is not silent on how to prepare for it and how to be ready. And uh, this passage is one of the key passages for that. It's obviously not the only one. But let's pray. Father... We thank you for your clear instruction in the Word. Uh, 
in doing battle against the evil one. Paul's instruction to the church of Ephesians uh, is necessary then as it is is today. And again, we pray for um, wisdom on how to put on this armor and to use it in the battle and that you would strengthen us through that. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.